You're listening to the Master Photography Podcast. Welcome into the Master Photography Roundtable, part of the Master Photography Podcast Network. You're joined by thousands of photographers listening to the show or on the same journey to master their photography. I'm Jeff Harmon, your host, and joining me today is my friend Aaron King. How, you, how are you, Aaron? I am doing well. 2021 has been a fantastic year so far. <laughs> All six, seven days of it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So much has changed. It's been amazing. <laughs> yeah. All right. So I want to get straight into the episode this week and what, what I wanted to do. It's our annual prediction show. It's a little later than normal. Normally, we try to do this like the latter part of December, but time got away from me. So uh, here we are, beginning of January, but it's only six days, seven days in, depends on when people listen to this, maybe a week or two weeks. But I haven't really looked at any other people who, I, I know there's lots who do these kinds of shows, these camera predictions shows. And I stayed away from them all because I hadn't done mine yet. And I don't want to be accused of, you know, taking uh-huh. ideas from somebody else. <laughs> <laughs> so we'll, we'll see how it goes. I mean, it may happen to be similar ideas because I, I think... It's become such a thing that the rumor sites, uh, there, there's so many people that talk about stuff all year long that it's influencing me, of course. So some of it's probably been influenced from the Canon rumors and Nikon rumors and you know all the rumor sites that I, I do frequent um, seeing their stuff. So you know, kudos to them. They, they do uh, invaluable work. Like I, I don't have the resources to be able to get the information those guys seem to. And I, I yeah, and it. for anyone who's thinking right now, oh, I'm going to go skip to that other episode because I don't want to talk about gear. Don't worry. Aaron King here is not <laughs> a gear guy. I have zero predictions for any cameras. Well, no, I have one prediction that's for the future cameras, but it's mostly just specifics to us. Like, what are we going to do in 2021? So if you want to turn this off because it's going to be gear only, don't worry. I'm here for you. We're going to talk some just specifics of the mood of photographers, the changes that might happen, some patterns, and just, it won't all just be gear. So right. don't worry. Well, I would not be here either. Honestly, most of the fun is uh, facing the music on our predictions last year. Like, you know, we're rarely right about any of this stuff. <laughs> it is. <laughs> Have you ever been? No, nah, well, I mean, occasionally. The thing you've ever been right on? Oh, I don't know about the, I, I don't think I've ever nailed one. I think it's always been like, uh, you know, partial credit. <laughs> You sniffed something out, but you never really saw it. Yeah, yeah, and so or or it was like so obvious, or the the rumor mill had already been talking about it for so long. There was no way there wasn't truth behind it, and it happened. Oh, I see, right? So, <laughs> did you predict that twenty twenty would have a major pandemic and that we wouldn't be doing as much photography as we thought, but then actually not. we would be because it's social distancing? <laughs> no, no, <laughs> that would have been one heck of a prediction. My goodness! Oh gosh. I ended 2019 telling my ex-wife, I was like, okay, look, things are tough and tight with this business, but by the end of 2020, <laughs> I'm going to know whether I should keep doing this or not. It, it's going to be my year. 2020 is going to be my year for my business, and if it doesn't go well, it's only going to be my fault. I won't have the divorce in the way. I won't have a partner leaving in the business in my way. I'll have nothing to block me in 2020. I literally said that. I said nothing can <laughs> stop me in 2020 except myself. And then there was a virus. And the world <laughs> fell apart. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, completely. So please, 2021, don't offer us any weird external factors that we're not expecting. No meteor hitting, you know, striking the Caribbean <laughs> or something. Right. 
Okay, <laughs> let, so let, let's face the music. I mean, Aaron, you weren't, you weren't on the show last year, so you don't have any predictions to face the music on. I nope, did. It was my fault. I reached out to Nick and I reached out to Connor because they, they have the other predictions that were in here. Neither one of them could we work out the schedule. Nick was actually super interested. He wanted to come on today, but the schedule didn't work out. So That's a bummer. So we don't have Nick, but we still get to have Nick face the music virtually <laughs> here. We're going to start off with here. one of his predictions from 2020. And so let's let's hear what Nick had to say. Uh, mine is going to be about my first one's about Sony. I think that they're going to come out with the A7 Mark IV. And unlike the A7R or the A7 III, which was this massive hit and, you know, everybody loved it, everybody picked it up. I think that this upgrade is going to be much more subtle and it's going to be a little bit um, underwhelming in the way that it's there's not going to be a whole bunch of game changing stuff. I think it's going to have the same sensor. It's going to be have a better viewfinder. You know, it'll probably have a better resolution in the electronic viewfinder. It'll have the bigger grip that the uh, A92 has and the A7R4 does. Um, it'll probably have better eye and uh, eye autofocus both with humans and animals. Um, just a little upgrade there. Um, but I think for the most part, people are going to be let down because it's not the massive innovation that the previous model was. All right. Nick's a Sony guy. He's been a Sony guy for a few years now. So uh, this is in his wheelhouse. I don't believe the A7 IV was released in 2020. I believe that is something that the rumor mill is saying should happen like early here in 2021. But no A7 IV. So, nope. so do you think his prediction was wrong or do you think there was a delay with I the think, whole COVID? No, I think there was a delay. Yeah, I think that's a – he probably gets a pass here because <laughs> with COVID, manufacturing slowed down like crazy. I think everything got delayed. Like I think yeah. all of the new cameras that came out this year came out later than they all wanted. And they missed major time frames on usual – uh, conferences. I mean, the conferences didn't happen either. So I, but I, I think, yeah, the manufacturing processes were all slowed down. So it probably would have been right on. I, I think they would have liked to have released the a seven four in 2020. Yeah. yeah. I think across the board, we could just probably say that between just manufacturing and then marketing schedules, they're so critical with the marketing. Yeah. You want to make sure that you hit it with the very hot iron and not just throw it out there when it's an afterthought. And if you don't have a, an accompanying event, a photo kina or anything such as that, that would build up interest and give you the news and have people being able to go out and use them. Yeah, I can imagine that it was a difficult thing for marketing, let alone even if they had the product able to be created, they might not have thought it was a good year to release it. But the rumors are all lining up with Nick and what he suggested there in that it's, oh, yeah? a, it's a evolutionary camera. There's a few things that are improved, but it's not it's not a as big a leap forward as some of their more recent releases because they they just really leapfrogged everybody especially in the mirror, mirrorless space, they took over that space. They've yeah. owned it for several years now. They don't really have as much to work on as the other manufacturers did. So I think their their reach forward in the product life, uh, life cycle here was smaller because they could. <laughs> Who knows what <laughs> they've got out there uh, that they're waiting on, but, but that's where that is. All right, let's go to the next, cool. the next uh, prediction from Nick. 
I think that Canon is going to come out with the EOS R Mark II. <laughs> okay. And I think that this camera, <laughs> unlike the first one, is going to be received a little bit better. I think that they're going to learn from the mistakes of the first one. So two card slots. Uh, I also think that hopefully they're going to give this one uh, IBIS in body stabilization. Mm -hmm. But I think that there's going to be some serious downsides still because it's Canon. So it's going, <laughs> it's going to still have the same sensor, which is going to at that point be how many years old. It's going to have the same sensor, a um, little better autofocus. And I also think that the video specs are still going to be crippled. So people that are wanting to use this for vlogging or whatever, it's going to have a big crop in 4K. And in some way, they're going to figure out a way to cripple the video specs. So it's still not a perfect camera. All right. So the name was wrong. It's not the R2, but Canon released <laughs> two new mirrorless bodies that really kind of rocked the world this year. The R5 and the R6, um, it did have uh, IVIS sensor stabilization. That was part of the cameras. Um, it well, it did end up having some crippling video issues, but not be not, not by design. <laughs> <laughs> it was the heat. Uh, I mean, made ma massive news. We didn't talk about it at all here on the on the podcast because it, it's really not that meaningful. Uh, we're mainly talking about photography and not video, but uh, it did have like they went for it. They went for like full 4K. Uh, video capabilities, even up to, I think it was 8K was there too. and But then heat issues prevented it from being very useful because you couldn't record more than a few minutes when you had it dialed up that the resolution that high. Uh, they kind of worked through it a bit. There, there were firmware updates. and uh, But he was right. The cameras have been received extremely well. They both had dual card slots. I think he, he nailed it pretty well. It was a yeah, pretty well good prediction. Day. Yeah, it was good. Um, are you interested in any of these cameras, these new ones? I know you're a Canon shooter, right? Aaron? Yeah, and the thing is, is I've been wondering if I would switch to mirrorless, and I haven't been brand loyal as much. I've just been agnostic and happy with what I have. Mm -hmm. And so when I think about going to a Sony, I had no qualms with doing it, but I just wasn't in the financial situation to pull the trigger. And my 5D Mark IV is fantastic. Sure, sure. So yeah. now that there was the R5 and R6, it has come to my mind, okay, which one of these two do I want? Should I, which one's going to be better for my astro work? And so I've been going back and forth because I really love the idea as a vlogger. I like to have video of me out on location in the dark that's visible. Alan Wallace has his Sony. I think it's an A7 IV, but it might be one of the ASs. But he's got a great camera that is able to capture him in video with showing a little bit more of the terrain around him instead of just a black background and a lit up face. That, mm -hmm. uh, that's all I am able to offer in my videos. So I don't do vlogging that much on my channel, but when I do, I hate that it's just basically a floating head in the dark. <laughs> so I've been wanting something that's going to pro provide me the video in the dark as well as maybe get myself into the next camera level and not just stay back in 5D Mark foreland forever so i'm looking into both of them i haven't even begun to have the budget for one or the other and so maybe something will come out this year that'll pull the trigger on yeah okay so uh connor had a similar viewpoint so he was he's been shooting the canon 6d for years and i mean enough that i think his first one sort of started to have some issues and rather than get it fixed he just bought a new one but the same 6d 
Oh, okay. <laughs> so so he he's been pretty loyal to it because it works. Like like he said, it works for him. But he had yeah. some thoughts on what would happen in 2020. So here's Connor. Um okay, so Connor left uh, no, he couldn't join, but he he told us one of his predictions here. And it was that Canon's mirrorless system will become appealing enough for many users to consider them as the new predominant Canon camera. And he said, I'm still going to be shooting my 6D this year. However, if they completely fail on me, I may go mirrorless, either Sony or Canon. All right. So, yeah, he, he thought the biggest thing there was he thought the mirrorless, Canon mirrorless, was going to make a massive leap forward and become really the flagship of, of Canon going forward. And that's essentially what looks like it's happened. Not that people aren't yeah. still super happy with like, like you are Aaron with your 5d Mark four. That's exactly. a, no complaints. A, excellent camera. Excellent camera. And maybe not enough for people to say, well, there's not like the R five is not so different, so much better that I really need to, to get to it unless you do video then, then there might be, but yeah. um yeah, in, in general. So I asked Connor if he did indeed upgrade, and he did. He went oh, to the really? R6. Oh, yeah. he picked the R6 of the two. Right he on. did. And he is did. he only thinking portrait photography for his work or something else? Other yeah, no, reasons? he's a portrait photographer. He he doesn't do almost anything else, actually. It's it's almost You know, I know portraits. that his work is only portrait, but I was wondering if he ever considered any other factors when he buys a camera. But of course not. Okay, because I know Connor's an awesome portrait photographer. Right, right. Yep, so he's he invested that. It was back in October, actually. That he he made that he he told me that it was <laughs> he said it was uh, a, maybe a fever induced decision because he was he was <laughs> suffering from a fever at the time I don't I remember COVID if it was, fever I don't remember maybe... so I don't I don't want to say it was because I don't remember but but it was oh, at okay, least cool. a fever um, <laughs> that he that he had so um, <laughs> but regardless he's, he's like got it something. yeah it was good <laughs> and I forgot that it was me repeating his question so I don't think he was actually on he just gave me the predictions yeah it looks like it was just yeah. you talking but do you think or has he had a chance to really test it has he said that there's been an improvement or not well sort of so I'm, I've been thinking about upgrading too so I was asking him especially after I found out he bought the R6 I was asking right. him about it and he said it was a, a little bit harder to transition to it. He wasn't used to some of the things. Uh, mirrorless is different enough as just a general experience that he had to kind of become familiar with it and figure out how to, mm. how to use it. It was a little bit different tool than he was used to, but he's loved it since then. He's, he had to spend a little bit of time with it, but he, he's really liking it so far. Oh, man. I mean, working with workshops and people with their different cameras, there's nothing I would love more than to find something that gives me what has tempted me about the a7 IV from Sony, but without having to go into the Sony menu systems and just having my <laughs> familiar comfort zone of a menu system. Has he mentioned whether they changed it too much in a way that makes it a learning curve either way? So I actually went to the R6 as well this year. This I, I got one for Christmas. So Oh, you did? I did. A week ago, yes. <laughs> so I've had no time to really go through it, uh, you know, <laughs> thoroughly. But I can tell you the menus are the same. Menus are, are exactly the same as they were in previous Canon cameras. So. So not being an, a gear guy who's not going to go, you know, dissect the information <laughs> from the specifications list because that just bores me to death. I don't know whether I want the R5 or the R6 more and I get to figure it out. You both went for the R6. Is it an obvious decision? So um, it was for me because just purely financial, nothing to do with the technology. Uh. 
purely financial. The R5 was just too expensive. I couldn't swing I it. Some, so I might have to consider the R5 still just push for the higher expensive one if it comes with a better performance in something. It's so it's higher megapixels and it the the big thing that I was worried about. I've shot numerous like I've I've had several crop sensor. This is my first full frame body ever. What? And, yeah. This is seriously, you, you've, since the 7D, this is your first? Yep. Like the 7D you've been using this whole time and you haven't gone to a full frame yet? Nope, I haven't. This is it. Yikes, this is the first, first time. So, um, <laughs> but, but one of the things that I used constantly is on the top of the camera, you have the LCD panel there that shows you your current settings. And you okay. can, you know, watch as you change it. The R6 right. does not have that. The R5 does. Oh, I wonder why. And I was super worried about that because I use it a lot. And yeah. I don't know how that's going to end up being, but, you know, we'll see. We'll see how it goes. It just purely ended up being a financial decision for me. I think it was for Connor, too, that he also looked and was like, yeah, sorry, that R5 just doesn't fit in my budget. I just can't swing it. I would have if I could, like, if it if it was $1,000 cheaper, no brainer. I would have done it. You know, and now that you mentioned the megapixels, I didn't know which one was which. So the R5 is one with the extra megapixels. Yep. That's not fitting my budget in the sense that I don't want to house the amazing hard drive space that I'm <laughs> going to have to have. And so I'm not certain that I am going to be a guy who ever goes for the higher megapixel than the 20 plus that I have right now. I'm totally satisfied with 4K. I don't need it that much bigger. I'm not entirely certain if I would get a benefit being a guy who loves time lapse and just the entire gigantic hard drive that I would have to have for my 10,000 images of time lapses every year. That just seems too scary and unnecessary for me. So I might have to avoid the R5 just for the megapixels alone. Mm -hmm. It could be. And there's some truth to lower megapixels handling the noise in Astro better, but I think the technology in other areas in the camera body getting better, it may not be as much of a factor. Since I'm not going to do the math or figure it out, I'll go to DP review for that. I, I just do not know that stuff. So it's possible that I wait still and see what comes out this year. Sure. Yeah, and there, there's going to be some other options, I think. And let, let's get on to some of the other predictions to, to talk yeah, about some of that. Uh, first, uh, me facing the music. So here's my first prediction from uh, for 2020. I think Canon's going to release a mirrorless crop body um, that I want to buy, but don't buy. So <laughs> here's, 2020 is the year I think I finally need to upgrade my camera body. I th I'm hoping there's something compelling enough to move me off that mark. Uh, we'll see. I think Canon's going to release a few mirrorless bodies in 2020. And I think one of them is going to be their first crop sensor mirrorless body. I think it would have good dynamic range, plenty of megapixels, and mostly be exactly what I'm looking for in an upgrade. But it's going to lack something critical, <laughs> like frame rate potentially. I don't know. So there's going to be something that I'm going to say, I just can't do it because of this thing. Whatever, some, one of those specs is going to like fall short. And I'm going to say, okay, that's, that means I just I don't have a reason to move from where I'm at because of that. And the thing that they didn't, that it was missing was it doesn't exist. <laughs> no update, no crop sensor, mirrorless camera. I mean, they have the M line, which are crop sensor cameras, but that's not what I was talking about. I was, it's my 7D, uh, my 80D cameras that I've been using. I was hoping that they would release a mirrorless version 
of that line. Uh, like a, the, the rumors started way back that there'd be a 7D mirrorless, like an R7 potentially. And uh, it didn't happen. Now the rumors are kicking up again here late in 2020. They kicked up that it's expected at the first part of 2020. So I, again, I think it was manufacturing delay that cost me yeah, this, yeah. this prediction. <laughs> yeah, I wonder if there will be a mirrorless dedicated wildlife crop sensor yep, or something. Yep. That's what I'm expecting. And I also think, well, we'll get to my prediction yeah, yeah. on it in a in a moment here with the R7 and, and what's coming. Because I do predict make that. the jump in 2020, it sounds like. I did. I did end up <laughs> making the jump. Yep. And I, I'm way excited. I can't wait to to use it through the year and, you know, see what that brings. Um, but it hurt. That investment. I think you have to formally <laughs> accept that you are no longer a hobbyist. Oh, is that what that means? Call yourself a hobbyist, Jeff. <laughs> in 2021, I think that's the rule. That is something of Jeff in the past. He's no longer just a hobbyist photographer. No, I'm still sticking with it. I'm a hobbyist. <laughs> I'm a hobbyist. All right, let's move on to <laughs> Nick's dial. last prediction for 2020. Here we go. Uh, so I think that 2020 is going to be the first year that we see kind of a, a mass, mass migration away from Lightroom, because I think it's the first year where there's actually been a competitor to Lightroom that is that is powerful enough and full featured enough that it actually can replace Lightroom. And I'm talking about Capture One Pro 20, 2020, mm-hmm. whatever they call it. It's the it's basically Capture One only with all of the cataloging features that most of us use Lightroom for. And everybody that hates the subscription model, I think that there's a lot of them that are going to gravitate towards the I buy it once model. So I think this is going to be the first year where we see a mass migration away from Lightroom. All right. So maybe it's my Adobe glasses that I have on. (laughs) Uh, But I didn't see that mass migration. I didn't see it happening in any of the like groups or forums or anything that I'm like, nobody, we didn't have tons of listeners saying they switched away and, and wish that I'd talked more about some other tool. It's uh, it's still a very Photoshop Lightroom centric group, maybe because that's what I talk about the most. So it's like a, you know, self-fulfilling prophecy. I don't know. Aaron, did you see a, ma- a mass migration out there? No, honestly, I bet Adobe experienced an incredible year with more people at home and more time to post-process. I bet more people upped their subscription. Yeah. In fact, let's, uh, that was one of my predictions from 2020. So check <laughs> this out. I think that the media is going to continue to bag on Lightroom. Like you, you doesn't take very much time listening to photography podcasts or YouTube oh, yeah. videos or whatever. And they're like hating on Lightroom. But the reality is going to be Adobe will have the best year they've ever had, like they did in 2019. They released their quarterly results just recently and made the news about it that in 2019, they surpassed 11 billion, that's billion with a B, in annual revenue for the first time in their history. And they posted a 24% year-over-year increase in growth. All right, so I looked it up for this for 2020. Oh, yeah. Before the for 2020, they went another record year. They went up from, <laughs> yep, from yep, that 11 that billion, COVID. they went up to 12.87 billion, a 15% like growth. 
No wonder they don't give a dang about what we're requesting. They're <laughs> right? making plenty of money ignoring us. <laughs> <laughs> right. I mean, I, we do have some evidence that I, uh, I've seen that they are trying to address some issues, but it's slow. It's not as fast as I would like for sure. Um, but it's still the tool. I, I just think it's the best tool available today for this. It just, it still is. There's others. Yeah. I'm glad there's competitors and I'm, uh, there's some that it works better for them. There are some that love the other tool they're using, whatever it is. And that's great. If that's producing the results you want, that is great. But usually what I'm seeing is someone becomes a proficient enough with Lightroom and Photoshop that they, they just, but they're tired of like issues that they have with Lightroom in particular. And they go check out another package with something else, one of their competitors and it works for them better. And so they switch to it. That's, you know, great. Again, whatever tool gets the job done, right. that's great. But for people that are starting and people that are learning, I just don't think there's a better one than Lightroom for that. No, and I think it suffers the same fate as like these new third, like unknown phone creators that create a phone that has two or three features that are quite innovative then people don't all mass migrate because of that cool innovation. They wait for their Android model or their iPhone model to have that innovation. And that's what they do. All right. So I, I even one upped this prediction. So I think you give me credit on that one. I, I got that one right. Right. Oh, I agree. You got that <laughs> one correct. And you couldn't even predict how right you would be with COVID being the X factor. <laughs> oh, right. That's true. And maybe that's the reason it was okay. I don't know. But, but, but I got one. I got one. Yeah, so so there's that Nailed one. It. Then I doubled down. And I, I said this one. And then I'm going to be bold on this one. This probably won't happen. I'm probably going to be wrong right off the get go. But I'm saying Adobe is going to add a feature to Lightroom in 2020 that we all agree we didn't see coming and was compelling. Something that's big that they're going to add. And I, I wanted to get even more specific and like try to nail exactly what type of feature I think it would be. I racked my brain about this. What, what could they add in there that so we'd all agree at the end of 2020 was super compelling and made for a really good story and, and kind of staved off that whole mass exodus kind of uh, prediction that, that you gave Nick. Um, but I, I don't know what it is. Maybe it's like really good spot removal, finally adding that in there or massively improved noise reduction. I don't know. I don't know what it could actually be there that, that would do it. But I think, I think they're going to do something that is big inside of Lightroom in 2020. And next year, when we listen to this, that you're going to say, Oh yeah, here's that feature. And, uh, and it was, it was really compelling. It was a good thing that, that they added. Okay. So Aaron, you be the impartial judge since you weren't involved in predictions last year. You be the judge on whether I get credit here or not. Let me go through what we got. Yeah. The major features case. we got in 2020 in Lightroom. <laughs> you ready? Yeah. 9.2 was released in February of 2020. And the big thing was custom default import settings. Do you even know what that is, Aaron? I thought we already could set up our import settings, but the custom <laughs> setting to be a default, is okay, that the new so, part about it? No, what's new, what they added, and I don't think, I did an episode on it, but I still don't think anybody knows about this. And it's kind of cool. I really kind of like it. You huh. can make it so that as you import raw files, you can have defaults for those imports happen based on the camera. So if you, when you import, you want to have your, something happen specific to one camera that's different than it is in another, 
you can do that based on you can create these import settings that are like camera specific. So if you import from one camera, one thing happens. And if you import from a different camera, if you shoot more than one camera, then another thing happens on import. So and that wasn't already. It was not already there. Not till February 2020, that 9.2 release. Okay. Then in 9.3 in June 2020, we got ISO adaptive presets and multi-batch exports. So ISO adaptive presets, again, by camera now, you could make it so that on import, if the ISO was a certain level, it auto set the noise reduction to this amount, stuff like that. Um, all right. This is all very geeky for sure. <laughs> and something I think most photographers have no idea is there. <laughs> they just don't even know that these are features available. Uh, the other thing is multi-batch exports, which I love. I find this incredibly useful. When you go to you export, it. I have, yeah. When you go to export out of Lightroom, you can specify I want a like full resolution export for my website so that if people buy my image, they get the full version uh, from the website uh, or and, and at the same time, one that is sized much smaller for sharing to social media um, and do it in one thing, one export that that'll uh, put it out there. So it's really and cool. it's also batching. So it's going to do multiple images or do you have to select them in the library? And yeah, you select them all in the library. The The batch part is that you can do multiple kinds of sizes settings. or yeah, everything that's in the, the export dialog box, you can do different ways of uh, different settings of that. Okay, don't answer this too long because I don't want to be too long, but basically you have a preset of two different export settings and you just pick between two presets that you want it to do or three or four. And It'll do them export. all at once though. So you, you could do an export using a preset and then go and do another export and pick a different preset. That's been there for a long time. Sure, now you exactly. can Now you can do one export and say, I want to do like, you know, if you had... They're not really presets, but if you had three different presets that you of how you wanted the images exported, it'd do them all at once. So it gives you a dialog box to drop down and choose which yep. presets you want included, or are you having to go through and set up two different export windows and set their settings individually? You can create presets so that it, it's like one okay. click cool. going forward. Yep, that was added in June. Obviously, I'm going to start using that in 2021. <laughs> I like that. Very good. I do think that's a common use case for a lot of photographers. You want oh, yeah. a full res and a smaller one for social media. Oh, yeah. Every a lot. time I edit a single picture, I'll just always use that on the export. So I don't have to remember to go back and do it for I have a marketing photos folder and sure. I have the final photos folder. And so now I don't have to do that. It's awesome. Yep. Okay. Um, and then in version 10 released in October of 2020, we got color grading totally different way it's it's kind of like what color grading is in video they brought to lightroom um they have yeah. scrubby zoom if you hold down the shift key you can do scrubby zoom instead of having being limited to one to one two to one three to one in zoom levels you can go how whatever zoom level you want very simply if you hold down the shift key again something i think almost nobody knows is there and then the other thing we got in version 10 is tons and tons of bugs. <laughs> it, <laughs> oh, yay. Hooray. It has been the worst, <laughs> the very worst release I have ever seen of Lightroom Classic as far as bugs go. It's Ooh. been terrible. So unusable. Um, the forum, the Adobe is getting pounded in their forums uh, by people who are having nonstop massive problems. And so... Uh, right now, I, I keep my my Phototaco software updates page is a resource for everyone that 
gives my current recommendations on what version of software to be using. And version 9.4 is the stable release of Lightroom Classic. I would not do version 10 or 10.01 until they work out the bugs. It's just, it's bad. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. So So those those are the major features. Your judgment. I could see that, you know, you predicted that something would happen, but you weren't able to predict exactly which features. I think you're pretty close with the better auto selection because there's also that sky, select the sky button now. I would give this a correct prediction because really? you weren't able to predict the nuance of which of which, you know, feature would have what. But there definitely were compelling additions, especially by your list. It gives me some really good reasons. And I think that this compared to 2019, Lightroom had improvements that it didn't experience in 2019. Okay. So you're being very nice. I don't think I got it. I will be. (laughs) (laughs) I I think it's better to be nice in this situation because you might cut my mic. (laughs) I expected, like I said in there, I expected something we would all agree was a massive feature that we didn't see coming. I don't think any of those are massive features. Uh, no, the sky replacement one I hate because people want to use it for reasons I don't like. But when you're doing a Star Trek shot, you need to. That might be great, but I haven't made use of it to know if it just sucks. Now, but isn't that only in Photoshop? No, no. Um, well, let me think. I might get blending two experiences into one. So maybe I need to be quiet on that. You're probably right. It's probably <laughs> a button in Photoshop and not in Lightroom. I'm pretty I'm sure that's a it. Photoshop feature. And when you use these things simultaneously, right. you forget which one you're looking at. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah, I don't think that one's in Lightroom. So uh, no, none of right. these, I think, qualify as being massive Dang. improvements to Lightroom that we'd all agree are massive improvements. Bogus decision. Bogus prediction, my friend. I doubled down. It was wrong. <laughs> maybe maybe this year. Maybe this year. And that comes a little bit in my prediction coming okay. in 2021. All right. Let's right. Let's finish out the Facing the Music section here. With Connor's <laughs> last prediction that I will be reading. <laughs> okay. All right. Connor gave us one final prediction that we'll, we'll share and see if we can hold him to it next year. And that is that this will be the year he switches to Godox himself. So he had the whole <laughs> prediction last year about everyone else adopting Godox and he didn't switch himself. So Uh-oh. he's saying <laughs> he will switch himself. We'll, we'll see. We'll have to follow up with him next year in 2020 and, and see how it went. All right. So yeah, in, his prediction for 2019 was that everyone would be moving to Godox. And boy, is it an excellent lighting system. I totally back that. It is awesome. And then he said in 2020, like, but I didn't do it myself. So now, or at, at the end of 2019, he didn't do it himself. So now he said in 2020, he would finally do it. So I checked in with him. <laughs> nope, he didn't do it. <laughs> he, oh, man, uh, I got to admit that hearing you talk reading it, I thought you were talking right now reading it. So I'm responding to <laughs> your voice from 2019 talking and laughing along with you. And now it's the real you talking from 2021. <laughs> right. That I'm super confusing now. But still, so Connor said, OK, finally, I'll just do it because I didn't do it in 2019 like I predicted everyone else would. And even after two years, he hasn't even no. begun. No, he, he said back? he said it was really COVID that impacted it though, because it was such ah, a, okay. a different year for him. Um, I mean, he went he went back to school too, so he spent a lot of this year doing a ton of school. He's he's becoming a civil oh, engineer, yeah. so he's he has uh, gone away from his portrait business a lot for both of those reasons. School was taking a lot of his time, and he just like because of COVID focused on it and there there just wasn't as much of the clients that he normally takes. So oh, exactly. So he wasn't right. 
um, he wasn't needing the lighting as much in 2020 as he had needed it in previous years. He said he still plans to. He still plans to change. He just hasn't yet. <laughs> so it wasn't a rejection of Godox as much as it was COVID. No, no. He's convinced he needs to switch to, to Godox for sure. Awesome. Well, I would say that you guys made some pretty decent guesses for 2020. <laughs> I hope that we can come up with some good 2021 ones that will compare with those. Mine are not gear-related again, everyone listening, but uh, it'll be interesting to see if we can even sniff the possible future for 2021. Okay. Let's start with, I guess, maybe we'll just go through mine. I think I want to cut some of them down. I don't think I want to do all of these. So... Yeah, do you want to go back and forth? Because you know, Jeff and I are looking at a list right now of our predictions. Do right. you want to kind of bullet point back and forth yours and then mine? Or do you want to merge some of yours? What do you want to do? Yeah, I'm going to kill off. Uh, go ahead, uh, Aaron. Start yeah. with your first one, and I'm going to kill off some of mine. You got it. And this one's a little bit more COVID-related. And I think that everyone's experience might be different. Some of you didn't go anywhere you probably spent your whole year like i spent the first six months where i was just in quarantine waiting to see how things would happen i work here in a studio apartment i have a studio in my apartment it's not a studio sized apartment and i basically don't go anywhere right here (laughs) i'm sitting at the desk of my studio right now and so with the covid lockdowns happening i didn't have a work to stop going into and i just didn't involve myself with other people just to stay safe as we you know, waited out the COVID. And then after that, I I basically went out twice during the first six months because I could, but the local national parks were closed. And so I couldn't go to like, say my dream was, man, okay, COVID lockdown. Everyone's not here. I could go to Mesa Arch and be alone. No, I was hearing stories of 40 plus people there because of the same situation. People thinking maybe they'd be the only one. So now they're going to go to Mesa Arch. No, I mean, we're talking... I didn't go anywhere in the first six months except for two places. And then the last six months, I went all over the place. So it depends on your personal situation. Maybe you went nowhere all of 2020 because of lockdown, because of playing it safe, and maybe because you were so busy with work at home and you weren't finding time to get away. Or you had the opposite side of the spectrum where you had a lot more time. You couldn't travel to Europe or other countries, but you could travel across the United States and you already started going to cool places for photography. So my prediction in 2021 is that most U.S. photographers will visit at least two of their bucket list landscape locations. You guys probably have a list right now that are within a day's drive that you've never hit. You never made it out for. And with COVID, you know, distancing yourself, social distancing, there's no better time for a landscape photographer to go out and explore a landscape. Not only are the roads easier, and yeah, maybe you can't stay in certain places and you can't camp in certain campsites, but you can't have hotels still. Make it work. Car camp and go. I think that after a year of not doing all that you wanted to do and a year coming up and just being anxious, all, not alone being anxious, but just seeing the potential of being locked down again, you want to get out. I think that most of us are going to get out and visit at least two, if not more, of your bucket list landscape locations. And while Jeff does his last little edit, I'm going to say that my two definite bucket list locations that I'll be hitting in 2021 that I haven't done yet is specific Milky Way over White Pocket. I've been to White Pockets once, but I haven't done the Milky Way there. And the second bucket list item would be to get some really great Aurora 
in the Great Lakes area. So going to the Upper Peninsula, staying around Minnesota, I'm going to capture Aurora up in that area. This is a bucket list item to get Aurora, a really great Aurora shot, and not being able to travel to other countries right now unless you fight a lot of, you know, here, get this permission, get the <laughs> right. certification, get the vaccine, make sure I got, you know, COVID test and I've proven it, arrive in the country, do another COVID test. I mean, if I could even go anywhere else, I'm just going to focus on northern Great Lakes area, United States, and get that great Aurora shot. So think right now, what are a couple of my bucket list areas that are really close that I've still not gone to and try and make a commitment now to get out there and have an adventure this year? Because this is a great year for it. Last year was better than you realized you should have gone if you didn't make it happen this year. How, All right, Jeff, did I give you enough time? Yep. How are we going to measure like next year, when we're doing the face the music section, how are we going to know if well, you were right? You have to declare two places that are on your bucket list, and then at least you and I, we can assess whether we went there. <laughs> but then everyone else will have to just self uh, self assess. And maybe if I remember, that's a long ways away, so we'll see. But if I remember, <laughs> maybe I'll I'll put a post in the Facebook group and say, "Okay, how, did it? Let me know. Did you get out or did you not? Yeah, cool. you know." We'll see. We'll see how that goes. Okay, what are here's two places that you'd go. Uh, well, I have to think about it. I, I don't know. I don't know what the. I definitely want to do a Milky Way, Milky Way shot in 2021. Really? I don't know where though. I don't. I don't have anything. I haven't even thought about where I'm going to go in 2021. Okay, cool. Sounds like I need to drive past your house, pick you up, and make you do it. <laughs> yep, I guess so. <laughs> Okay, so, so one Milky Way shot, and your second one would be. Uh, so I had a goal, and that's what I'm thinking of is just goals that I've had. I've had a goal of wanting to create a multi-season shot. So taking the same scene in four different seasons and merging them together. Um, but I haven't. So I, I started it like two years ago. I started that, and then um, the tree that I chose to be in my picture got cut down and a uh, housing development went in. <laughs> so, oh, I so, hate that, that. so that didn't work. <laughs> uh, and it needs to be close enough to make it reasonable for me to get to. That's why I picked the tree I did. I was like, oh, I like this scene. I like this tree. Mm. I could get the sunrise in the background. It was great. It was just a few minutes from my house that that wor- would work to make it so that I could, like if I got up, I was like, oh, today is the right spring day for that shot. I, c- I could go get it. If it's too far away, it just won't happen. I won't be able to get up and be like, yeah, today's the day that, that that'll work and and get there because I'd have to plan to travel to it. So it, it had to be something close, and that means I was in danger of development uh, happening and, and losing my tree. Uh, there's a hole in the sky where the tree once was. So, <laughs> so I'd, I'd love to do that. <laughs> I guess I'd, I'd have to just scout out what location I want to do it. It needs to be something where like work with all the four seasons, something that, you know, it's interesting in all four seasons. So that'd be so something you could take your family to that's close here in Utah that you've never experienced together that you could also complete a bucket list for you. I've been to most of the places in Utah for Bristlecone Pines in the Great Basin National Park and across the border near Nevada. Probably have not. I have not been there for sure. Of course, if I'm telling you, it's probably not on your bucket list. Right, <laughs> right. right. <laughs> well, think about it. Make sure you do. And everyone who doesn't have a list either, just think about what would it be and go. Go this year. Don't wait because waiting, who knows, maybe the tree will be cut down. Right. 
Okay, let's get to some of the other ones. Um, my yes. first prediction, I think Adobe is going to release Lightroom Classic version 11. I mean, that's a foregone conclusion. They will release version 11. But this so. time, it will be different. Where I, I think they're going to have bur been burned by version 10 enough, as far as how many bugs there were, that um, it's going to be relatively bug-free, and it will be able to have my Photo Taco seal of approval before the end of the year. Which oh, right on. Is, which you have stickers for that yet? <laughs> that would be cool, huh? No, no <laughs> stickers. Just little icons. Oh, I'm going to make that. Little uh, to taco emojis. <laughs> that are in, in, awesome. In the, yeah. That um, prediction might be a little too weak as it's probably too obvious, but the bugs part, that's stretching it. <laughs> it might be. I hope they don't <laughs> let me down. They let me down last year. They didn't give me a new right. feature that was compelling, but I, I hope they'll, they'll give me that one. Well, Aaron, that was a short one. Do another one of yours. Okay, another one of mine. Um, I think Canon, I, I was going to take this back out. I didn't think we needed to talk about camera predictions because everyone talks about those. I, I'm more interested in some of the others. But I have to <laughs> because we talked about this one already. I think Canon releases the R7 crop sensor mirrorless camera. And I think when they finally <laughs> release it and unveil the specs, I really would have wished I waited for it instead of upgrading <laughs> to the R6. Okay, I hope that's true because then I'll make the right call and join that one. <laughs> I, I think it's essentially going to be the R6 just with a crop sensor. And for my workflow, the stuff I do, the versatility that I need, the crop fits me so, so well. It's just been phenomenal for me. And, um, and I, I really just, I think I would have been happier with the R7 over the R6, but we'll see. We'll see when it releases what it is, I for sure won't be getting it. It's, I'm in the R6 now, so we're done. We're done with that. <laughs> It'll be regret or not, but just ne you will not buy two cameras no, in one year. No, I won't. I won't have another. I won't have an R7. Nope. Ah, too bad. <laughs> okay. Well, another one that I will give out that's going to be non-gear related, and I have a couple kind of gear related ones, is that I think all of us experience these these almost feverish flows through our hobbies and our interests. Some of you right now might be in the beginning of the fever of photography and you're eating up everything you can find on YouTube, everything you can hear in a podcast and everything sounds amazing. Someone could tell you that the F stop that they prefer is eight over 12. And you're like, yeah, yeah. Tell me more. Tell me more. That's awesome. Yes. And you're still in that stage. And I think all of us get into photography and we start off with like portrait more for family stuff and also landscape. And then a lot of people transition really naturally into Milky Way photography. And when they get into Milky Way photography, that leads the gateway drug into deep sky, star tracked Milky Way, more challenging, more gear. And they go that route. But eventually – you know that like light switch on, I'm full throttle on my hobby to light switch off. I'm just like, meh. Well, people will transition to their next stage. And I think that a lot of us have gone from light, light from uh, Milky Way to landscape to portrait to Milky Way landscape portrait. And many of us, myself maybe included, are going to find themselves getting into my prediction that wildlife photography will have some major growth in 2021. There'll be podcasts about wildlife photography. There'll be people who are following the wildlife photographer YouTubers. And it's just instead of just landscape, we've done it. We burned through it. We have tons of landscape YouTubers. I think wildlife's going to take a major jump in it. I think that 
not only is it something that we're transitioning out of what we've done, we've been there, done that, we're going to try something new, but the Tamron-specific lenses for wildlife and other inexpensive, very affordable options that make buying into the long telephoto world possible for most of us. And I think wildlife will grow. What do you think? Uh, yeah, good. it goes along with your other prediction. If people are going to get out there, if they're going to go yeah. visit somewhere, wildlife is a thing that they'll, they'll do too. Um, I go to Yellowstone frequently. We, it's like at least every other year that we travel to Yellowstone. My family just loves it there. It's, it's nice in the summertime. It's a little cooler there. And then there's wildlife like crazy. We just love to just go and see the, the nature, the wildlife. It's, uh, that's what a great national park, what a resource that is. And, uh, yeah, we have so much fun trying to get pictures of the bears and the moose and everything exactly. that's there. Yep, and that's great. I think that after 2020, I think everyone's starting to realize that, yeah, don't take for don't take for granted what's out there. Celebrate what's right with the world. And getting out in nature is something that we're aching for as we've been stuck indoors, as well as just appreciating with an extra appreciation. And it probably is just a natural motivation to get the camera to capture that one animal you saw, but like, oh, I need the right lens. And then you get into right. wildlife photography. Boom. I think you're completely right. I think it will be the same reason that people do more photography this year. Awesome. Okay, let's do one from Brent. Couldn't join us today, but he sent oh, me. Hey, Brent Bergherm. Yeah, sent me his predictions. He says, uh, with the Olympus Imaging Unit sale to JIP, I think mm-hmm. we'll have an announcement sometime in 2021 stating that they'll join the L-Mount Alliance with Leica, Panasonic, and Sigma, and that they will make their first full-frame digital camera and release it sometime in late 2021 or early 2022. So I, hmm. <laughs> I could see him joining the L-Mount Alliance. That that could make a lot of sense because that then opens up a lot of lenses to be able to be <laughs> on their cameras. I don't see Olympus doing full frame. I just don't see that no? happening. No, nope, I don't. I, I think he's going to be wrong on that aspect, but we'll see. I mean, Brent knows a little bit more about this as far as <laughs> camera stuff, gear stuff than I do. I'm not quite the gear guy. So we'll yeah, see. and I don't know anything. I just heard <laughs> about it for the first time. L Mount Alliance. That's awesome. Sounds great. Never oh. heard about it. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Uh yeah. L Mount it, it's those manufacturers all are in agreement that you can use lenses across their platforms, the same lens across all of their bodies. So when it's in Yeah, L-Mount. it makes sense that they would do it. I just didn't know that they were already doing that. It's cool. Yeah. yeah, it is cool. Right on, Brent. I think you might be right on part of that, Brent. <laughs> Well, we will see. Time will tell. Face the music in 2021. Okay, um, Aaron, why don't you have, tell me another one you have. Okay, so this one goes in a little bit like you had about last year about the AI, and not specific to Luminar AI last year, but this one is just something that I'm finding with those that come on workshops with me. It is a pattern of people who go through their life working hard for their family, working hard for their career, and then find themselves finally retired, and now they can do what they've always wanted to do. They can always, they can go out because they've always wanted to be that photographer out there photographing like Ansel and capturing the beauty of nature. And so it's just an obvious transition in life for retirees to get into their photography finally. And it's also very common for the same group of people 
to have an absolute frustrating experience with the post-processing element of photography. More often than not, they've expressed to me that they capture photos, they love it, but they rarely do any edits. And whenever they try and do a post-processing session with me, you know, I'm practically holding their hand and clicking mm -hmm. the mouse button with them because it's just so foreign to them. It is not in their strengths, not in their skill set. And so because of that and that large crowd right now, I think we're in the baby boomer retiree age right now. And it's definitely not over, but it's towards the middle of it. I can see that AI will become popular thanks to Adobe initiating it in some of their product. I think that they will have a more AI ran post-processing element added to their system and it will become popular with that crowd. The Mark Adam, like the crowd of us, I would say in their 30s and 40s who are into photography, who are more than happy to do the tech. I'm not terribly happy to do the tech and long <laughs> post processing, but some are in love with it. And you can't look at Instagram without seeing someone's art versus photography, where they have just completely created art with four or five images that have been composited into one. That's awesome. That's cool. But that's not what my clientele are doing that are over 70. Mm -hmm. And so I think that there will be a growth in popularity in AI edits thanks to it coming to Adobe in some form or another. They're not transitioning to a new entire interface like Luminar. They barely mastered the understanding that they have of Lightroom now. So if Lightroom or something Adobe puts out is like Lightroom that does more AI... I think it will become popular for that group of people who are just excited about doing the photography, but hate that they can't see the image in post the way that they saw it in person and they don't know exactly what they're doing. So if something can just hold their hand through it with some AI, they will definitely um, all group up with that and love using it. And I can see it become more popular in 2021, if not 2022. I think you are on to something with this one for sure. <laughs> I see AI <laughs> coming to Adobe stuff in more significant ways. We saw it in Photoshop uh, towards the end of the year. I just don't know if it can end up in Lightroom. Um, it just Yeah, I don't know. It might have to be a whole new product. Yeah, or a whole new product, sure. Um, I want to give some predictions that are kind of along the same lines, though. Okay, so cool. My first one, you know, two of them that, that I have uh, along the, the AI path. The first one is the Topaz Sharpen AI and Denoise AI products. Are you familiar with those, Aaron? Oh, yeah. And I do love them. Yeah. So I, um, I've i been testing them a lot through the, the latter part of 2020. They're not the magic bullet for everything for sure. I have no. put hundreds and hundreds of photos through both tools now. And there are some. They work remarkably well. Really, really good. Better than I could get it through anything else. There are others where it's just, nah, it's not great. It's okay. Like I, <laughs> I could easily get the same result or even better result in Photoshop. And so it's not an indispensable tool. I don't think, I don't think it's like if you have to make a choice between like increasing your skill set in Photoshop or buying one of these products and you think this product is just going to be magical and do it for you. I don't think it's quite there yet, but I think it's on the path. And I think they have a bit of a lead on Adobe for some use cases, not all again, but for some. And I think they, they have a chance in 2021 to make more ground or more separation between the Adobe products so that this does become a more indispensable tool 
getting better at those jobs, the sharpening and the denoise, and incorporating the, like enough that I use them more frequently in my workflows than I do today. So that that's my prediction on that part. Um, and I have to add to it that Gigapixel AI as well as um, AI Mask AI, those are fantastic tools that are indispensable for me when I work with certain clients who have iPhone pictures. They're like, this is a really cool iPhone picture, but I want to print it. They'll use Gigapixel AI to make it so they can print it. And sometimes it turns out fantastic. And sometimes it turns out okay. <laughs> and then Mask AI, man, that is a fantastic way to select your sky out from your foreground using Mask AI. It does brilliant even around trees. I dislike both of them. <laughs> Disliked the mask. Hey, what did you use your mask for? Yep. I so I love I think the masking capabilities in Photoshop is still heads and shoulders above what you can do with Mask AI. There is not enough control on the mask in Mask AI. I've tried it through tons of images now. Um, I, so one of the use cases, I shoot athletes, I cut them out, extract them and put mm, them onto another I background. See. That tool, that mask AI is useless for that. It doesn't do it. Really? Just terrible with hair. Just does not do what I need done there. You, it's okay. terrible. Um, different use case. I can it, see how it and, suck. And the case. landscape ones I put it through, I just had, and mm. part, maybe part of it's because of the Lumenzia plugin I use in Photoshop that helps. It's Greg's fault. Yeah, could be. I don't know, <laughs> but I just, it's significant. I like it so much better. And then Gigapixel, I have, my testing has been, I prefer the um, upscaling of an image in Photoshop than I do in Gigapixel, like hands down, not even close. And it's, I'm going to have to lean on you there. there because I bet that you've tested it like crazy, Mr. Phototaco. <laughs> and I so have. I'm sure you've seen the differences. And so you win there. <laughs> and so there, there's this preserve details function in Photoshop. They added it in, I think, in 2019. They, they added a new algorithm for enlargements. And it does really, really well. It's already there in the tool you already have. And so... Okay. I would recommend people save their money on not buying the Gigapixel. I've been disappointed with it. That's great to know. Thanks, man. <laughs> awesome. So, but I, I do love converted. I do love the Sharpen AI and, and the Noise AI, and I think that's going to just get better in 2021. Cool. The so other your prediction is that they'll get better, or that you'll use it more. No, my prediction is they'll get better, and and more people, lots of people, will want to use it more. It'll be okay. it'll become a, a tool people use in their workflow. I think it's already a tool worth having. It's worth the eighty bucks that it costs. I think it's eighty per tool normally. I think they've had a sale, lots of sales lately, but normally I think it's eighty dollars per tool um, for that. And I do think it is worth it today for most photographers to add that as a as something that can help them with their images. Again, just not it's not. Um, something that's universal. Like I've, there's been some images that it just doesn't do great with. So do you think it's possible that it'll go the macromedia route where Adobe absorbs them, absorbs Topaz? I don't know. I, I think, uh, I think Topaz really sees themselves as a, as such a competitor. I don't know. I guess, I mean, money would change anybody's mind. <laughs> money would change. Right? It, yeah. <laughs> so I mean, offer of them enough money. Sure. Um, but I, I think that they thrive off of the competition today. Cool. Cool. Right on. And competition is a good thing. Yeah. Good for us. All of us yep, need exactly. more competition. For the consumer. We need someone to push, keep pushing Adobe. Um, right on. What was your next one? The next one. 
Luminar AI. So this is a brand new version of Luminar. If, if people aren't familiar with it, this is a tool built from Skyloom. They used to be called MacFun because their stuff was just for Mac initially, and they've expanded to Windows support, and they've had Luminar versions 2, 3, 4. Um, they have rewritten the tool from the ground up. They released a brand new version at the very end of 2020 and are really trying to push it hard in the beginning of 2021. I, and it's supposed to be a tool that has significant AI features that, so exactly the group you were just talking about, Aaron, the, the person who does is not familiar with editing knows that people do do edit their photos, but they just, they don't know how they, maybe they don't want to learn how, and this tool is exactly targeting that market. That's what they're positioning the tool to be is this is the easy editor that's going to do amazing things to your photos and you don't have to know the technical details about how to do it. I don't think it's going to catch on. I predict it's going to uh, not get the market share that they had hoped and very few of our listeners will will uh, use it. I think a good portion may try to invest in it just because it's very appealing as that tool, as that promise of being a very simple editor that can do amazing things with your photos without technical knowledge. But then I think they're going to try and be like, yeah, it's just, it's not quite what I want. <laughs> yeah. I think it suffers the same fate as like features that come to unknown phone services and unknown phone creators. If iPhone has that has that feature, people it people adopt it. If it doesn't, they don't. And if Adobe adopts what Luminar AI is doing, there'll be more adoption of it than there can be from just Luminar alone. I think the motivation to switch, learn a new thing, is too much of a uh, a speed bump for those that would. It's made for. It's made for people who are going to save them from having problems, but all they see is a new program as a new problem. Yep. Okay, Aaron, what's your next one? My next one is that you sitting there driving, working out, whoever you are right now listening to this podcast, if you have not gotten into Adobe Photoshop editing of your photos in any year prior, this is going to be the year that you do it. And it's not because of some outside reason except for my Milky Way reason that I'm going to offer here in a sec. It's because you are going to sit here and hear me and go, all right, that's my new resolution. I am going to edit in Photoshop and not just Lightroom. Now, in my world, my astrophotography world, due to the interest of Milky Way photography, having that graduation into star tracked Milky Way photography and the love of deep sky photography, you are forced to move in to Photoshop and learn how to edit your images using adjustment layers and other benefits that you can't get out of Lightroom. Not just the masking and removing sky and fixing and blending in with a steady foreground, not just layers. That's not why you're in Photoshop also. You're going to be there for editing with adjustment layers and fixing everything in Adobe Camera Raw like you would in Lightroom. And you're going to find out that just your typical Lightroom edit to your images is not going to bring out the sky like you want unless you go to Photoshop and you're going to bite the bullet. So even if you're not one of my astrophotography nerds, you should challenge yourself in 2021 to get more Photoshop skills. Okay, so you're, uh, this is another one to see if you're right. We'll probably have to do like a poll yeah. maybe in like beginning of December put it out there as like, Hey, did you, were you not Photoshop doing using Photoshop before 2020 or 2021? And now you are. 
And my following, it, doing Milky Way stuff, they are having to bite the bullet and get into it because of their interest in Star Tracking Milky Way. Mm-hmm, and so right. that is going to be a 2021 prediction by virtue of an external mot- motivator. But I think for the rest, in your Facebook group, you're just going to have to ask and search and say, hey, did you right. do it? Did you right. take on the challenge? Okay, my next prediction is that Tamron <clears throat> puts out, and this was kind of a selfish one. Maybe it's <laughs> Maybe it's hope. But uh, <laughs> Tamron puts out some RF lenses that I really, really want to buy. But mm. I don't buy them in 2021 because the lenses I have, their Tamron lenses, are really good and they work really well, even though I have to adapt them to my R6. So it's I've already done that. I've already seen how they work and it's phenomenal. It's great. So awesome. But I do think I'm going to be jealous. I'm, I'm going to want Tamron lenses that are native i hope they can do it for you (laughs) and then then i can like save up for it maybe 2022 will be the year for going to rf lenses for me uh you're a slow adopter aren't you i am well it costs money so (laughs) i have to wait um i'll I'll do one more of mine and then we can do another of yours aaron i think apple is going to release I'm going to call it M2 computers just because that seems logical, but who knows what they'll call them. But the next generation of their Apple Silicon based computers, you know, that they ditched Intel here in 2020, which is everyone should know about by now. And, uh, and I think they're going to release a MacBook pro 16 and iMac and an iMac pro that all have a next generation. I don't think they will be the same M1 processors. I think it'll be a next generation. I'm calling it M2. We'll see what the name is. And that they are going to be wildly successful, like really, really impressive, astounding, and so good, in fact, that I think in 2021, I'm due finally to upgrade my desktop here. And I I stick on stuff for forever. I've had a custom-built PC I built in 2014. That's what I'm using Every single Whoa, day. Oh, 2014? Do yep. you have like two gigs of RAM? <laughs> <laughs> no, no it, it probably rival, it has rivaled you know anything out there for, for many years. It's held up extremely well. 32 gig of RAM, i7 processor, the, the whole bit. So it's... it's so it started off on the top end in absolutely. 2014 and still falls. Six okay. years later, still very viable. Um, I just, I would like to, I'm worried about like failures. <laughs> <laughs> so I, yeah. I need to I need to uh, to probably do something about a, a new machine this year. I've also been kind of waiting because the whole uh, Bitcoin or that that whole craze, people were buying up hardware like crazy to manufacture those Video things. Cards are impossible to buy, and it it artificially inflated the prices so much. Like I'm not willing yep. to pay the price for this. So and it's working. And it's not ending anytime soon with Bitcoin going yeah. up. So you're gonna have to wait till 2024. <laughs> Maybe so. But <laughs> my prediction with these Apple computers that are I'm calling it M2, that next generation of Apple Silicon, I think is going to be so good and so impressive that I'm going to have to seriously consider biting the bullet, paying way more than I want to for this thing and getting a Mac for my desktop. I use Macs a lot. I use them for work. I use the, I have a a MacBook. I think it's a 2016 MacBook pro 13 inch. I love it. I love Macs for the mobile aspects for sure, but I've stuck with desktop just because I could, I have the know-how to build it and I could just, I could get way more for my money that way it's not social Seriously, for everyone nothing beats a pc build well i think this will <laughs> i think really? that's, i think that's going to be the <laughs> conundrum is even with all that amd is doing and they're really killing it right now intel's in a big trouble 
I, I just think that the M2 or the, you know, the next generation of Apple Silicon in their iMacs and their MacBook Pros is going to be so compelling. I'm not going to be able to ignore it. And I'm, I'm probably going to have to buy one of the, probably an iMac, but, but we'll see. We'll see which, what models come out. Well, man, I'm a lover of both, but welcome to the iMac world if you get there. <laughs> right. All right, Aaron, what's one, another one of yours? I want this to happen in 2021, but it probably won't. This is a selfish one as well. I predict that someone, I don't know who, will release a camera that knows how to focus on stars. This is the, the only gear one that I wanted to focus on because it doesn't make any sense that you can find the eye of an animal in the distance, but you can't look at a black screen with a white orb and say that that white orb is as tight as as many pixels across at this size versus this size. So there's the focus. It doesn't make sense to me that they haven't been able to develop that. And so someone will release an astro centered camera and they'll add that feature on it and it will go crazy fast because my clientele, they hate trying to get their focus. And if their camera can actually do what they're doing manually, because in short, the process is 10 times digital zoom on a bright star or planet, right? Now you got this white orb in the center of your lens that looks pretty decently sized, but not too big. You get your 10X Carson Lumi loop. You look at it from there. Now it's pretty big and you can see how big across it is. And you're manually twisting your focus ring until the large orb becomes a medium sized orb and then goes back to a large orb again. So then you kind of like, go back and forth, teeter-totter until it's as tight as possible, and you call it. Well, a computer digitally could look at the pixels and say that there are 89 white pixels on this image versus the 210. We're going to go until there's 89, remove the focus ring, kaboom. I mean, I just I can't imagine the tech is impossible. So someone this year will release a camera that says it focuses on stars. All right, I like that one. We've gone almost a little over an hour. So how about let's do like one more each. Brent, I'll do Brent's, Brent's prediction. And he, is, he, is, uh, he said, my hope and desire is that by June we can travel per normal. But my prediction is that we won't see regular international travel until 2022, which greatly saddens and frustrates me. <sighs> Even then, it'll be changed for too long with extra hoops to jump through. Come on, Brent, don't be correct. <laughs> so he's going to go like, until February 3rd, right? <laughs> he is kind of exactly contrary to one of yours, I think, there, that he just thinks international travel is going to not be possible still. In 2020, 2021, I think international travel will be very challenging and few places will allow it. But uh, around the United States, travel, absolutely oh, okay, possible that's for bucket list. That's, that's what you were talking about. Okay. All right, Aaron, what are you going to finish up with? I'm going to finish off with this one, but I'll make it very short. Basically, I think more of us will move on from Facebook and Instagram and will hyper-target the people and communities that we want to follow. And this is not just a hope as a guy who's using it for business and is tired as I'll get out of the hostage situation of Facebook. I mean, imagine if you were able to sell to a thousand people to come to your hotel and come into this big room and introduce them to a lecture on Milky Way photography. And you sold a thousand people on the idea. They all said, yes, I want to hear it. And then as they were coming in, the hotel started grabbing 70% of those people and hiding them in a second room and said, if you want some of them to come in the room, they initially said they wanted to be there. You're going to have to pay us a little bit more. And then we'll kind of pick and choose who, Oh, you want to boost 
boost this post for like $15. We're going to let like seven people come in. Oh, you want to pay $10,000 for ads? We'll let them all come in now. All right, everybody, you said you wanted to hear this. Now you can come in. You know, outside of the hostage situation of Facebook and the way that, okay, I like Nick Page. I want to see everything he does. Oh, I didn't know he posted that because you weren't allowed to see it by Facebook's algorithm. (sighs) Outside of my frustration with that, I think that now of a year of overuse of the internet, overuse of social media, overuse of seeing things that are just used to be white noise to you, but now they're like blaring static in your face noise. I think that we're going to hyper target the people and the communities that we want to be a part of someone or some place will motivate a lot of you to just ditch certain locations that you find people on Facebook and Instagram and you go directly to like a newsletter or a group or like in my case I try and get the followers of Photog Adventures to come to milkywayphotographersguild.com and be in our group there where it's like no ads there's no Facebook removing or adding or constantly like skimming things from their feed and they never have the issue of like some ex-girlfriend being like hey how's it going (laughs) i've noticed that you're on here how's it going how's life you can just have a focused hangout without all the tracking and without all the ads and just be there for the purpose you wanted to be there it was like this in the beginning of the internet where you had to go to your dedicated community your dedicated group that you wanted to hear from But then they all conformed into these large globs like YouTube and social media places like Facebook. And then we haven't gone back out of them. And I'm hoping after 2020 being an exhausting year of it, that more people will. That's my hope. Yeah, I would love to be able to do that. It's very frustrating to me that I, as we post in our Facebook group, I I love our Facebook group, but I know most of them are not seeing anything from it. (laughs) They're just not, they're not seeing any of the posts uh, we, we talked about it through the year in 2020. Occasionally I'd float ideas out there of different things. I tried discord. It was a ghost town. Nobody came. Um, I'd love to do something where I could actually reach right. the, everyone who was interested. Like they joined the group cause they were interested and yeah, if they're not interested, then sure. Don't, don't participate in the group anymore. But, um, but if they're interested, I want to be able to reach them and, and I just can't, but I, what I, the feedback I keep getting is I'm in Facebook anyway. I hate it too, but I'm here because everyone's here. And I'm not going to log in to something else. I'm just, it's not going to be part of my day. I'm not going to go into another thing. Whatever, it doesn't matter what the other thing is. I'm not going into it. So, And it's it's amazing that that is a roadblock enough. And I get it. I understand it. But eventually, I think the vitriol and the politics and the ridiculousness will motivate a lot of you to just realize, you know what, if I just go to this hyper-focused, targeted, you know, jeffharman.com, I only hear Jeff Harmon. I'm not hearing about Trump. I'm hearing only about <laughs> Jeff Harmon. Yeah. And I like that. And I appreciate that. Yeah. It would be nice. I would love it if <laughs> if people have ideas and and we think we could actually make a go of it on something else. I would love to do it. My latest thought is is something called Discourse. It's it's very similar to Discord in the name, but it's not the same thing. They're very different. Um, but we'll we'll see. We'll see what uh, what happens. I I would Come love on, to introduce twenty twenty one. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So there's our predictions. For 2021, we will see what happens, Aaron. I'll try to have you come back on. So you please can do. I'll be back. Face the music at the end of 2021. Um, <laughs> and, and I'd love to know, listeners. I'd love to know what your predictions are. Maybe uh, what you think or what you hope. We some of ours were hopes. 
that you would like to see happen in 2021 related to photography, whatever it is, doesn't have to be gear. We try, I tried hard not to have it be totally gear. And I think we did that, but, uh, but whatever it is, whatever you are thinking or hoping will happen in 2021. When I post this in the Facebook group for you, few people who will see that, <laughs> then go <laughs> ahead and comment there on what, what it is, or you can comment on those show notes too, that there is a comment feature on the website that lets you put comments in. So you, if you'd prefer to do that, you don't like Facebook, <laughs> totally get it. Then that's another way you can do it. Or you can email the show. That is all. Or you can call Jeff Harmon at 801. (laughs) (laughs) Excellent. Yes. No. Direct communication with the Mr. Photo Taco himself. No calls. (laughs) All right. Doodads of the week. Uh, Aaron, what do you have for the doodad of the week? I mentioned it in passing in the discussion earlier, but the Carson Lumi Loop, I would be ashamed of myself if I didn't share with the master photography audience my absolute favorite tip for getting good Milky Way photography focus. So if you're out there and you're trying to get your focus and it's hard to look at your camera and see, even at your digital zoom, I would recommend this $5. Sometimes it's four, sometimes it's $6 on Amazon. It's a $5 little, it's a cup with a focus. You know, it's basically a 10 X loop that you can put on the back of your camera. And with that focusing cup, you can just put it right on their flush, look in there and see that tiny orb become a giant orb and you can really fine tune your focus with that help so go to amazon through the link that jeff's going to give you and get a carson lumi loop today it'll be the best and most affordable master tip i can give you for your photography in 2021 nice i like it okay mine is going to be a much more expensive thing but something (laughs) i i've got recently and i'm loving this Um, i've tried several lav mics now most of them, like on the inexpensive end, I know there are super expensive ones out there that would probably be even better, but right, you know, yeah, it's I, kind of I have awesome a, a limited budget here. So I've tried the less expensive options. This is definitely the best one I have found that is the on the on the less expensive part of the scale as far oh, as wireless lav goes. So it's $200 for this set. Yikes. Okay. It's the Movo wmx 20 duo so for that you get two wireless transmitters two wireless labs and then a receiver that mixes the two together and puts it into a single output that you can put into your camera but it's it works flawlessly and the other thing that i really like about this i've had need to get audio like line out audio and put it into the system as well just a use case I've had and every wireless lav that I tried prior to this, the less expensive ones, they have either a proprietary connector. So you can't really get a cable that would go like line out into the wireless lav transmitter. Uh, or it's a, I've tried, like there was one I had that was, it's called a mini XLR cable. I've tried numerous mini XLRs where it's line out like 3.5 millimeter on one end to the mini XLR. It doesn't work. It it didn't make it so that I could get that line out wirelessly transmitted to uh. my camera. And this does. This Movo has a line in input in addition to the the lav mic input. So it is awesome. Many purposes. Right it has great range. Uh it's it's a really solid product and I can highly highly recommend. I've been using it for a long time now and uh, really good for wireless audio. 
Well, okay. I might have to consider that one because I hate lav mics normally, but I need something good. Maybe the Mobo's for me. They're great. I love them. All right. Reminder, photo talk, or sorry, master photography podcast. My photo taco almost came out there. Master photography podcast.com is where you can find the show, all the show notes. So if you want to review the predictions that we made here, you'll have them. But most importantly, the links to the doodads we just mentioned are going to be there for this episode. Uh, the Facebook group, Master Photography Podcast, if you want to join it. We'd love to have you aboard. You'll see link, see posts for a little bit, but then they'll probably go away. And um, and you do have to ask to join that group. We want to make sure it's listeners. So you have to name a host on the show, which means Aaron will work or Jeff will work. Just put Aaron or Jeff or Aaron or Jeff. <laughs> and uh, and we'll know that you're a listener and we'll let you in. Otherwise, I, I still reject. It's probably at least half of the requests to join the group. I have to reject. So I have to decline because they don't put a name of the host. Because you're racist. I know. <laughs> and then uh, you can find my work over at jsharmanphotos.com or um, my other podcast, phototacopodcast.com. Be able to uh, get a lot of technical breakdowns. I just released an episode Late December, I think it was December 31st, <laughs> that that I released it, uh, where I talk about how you can tell the difference between a variation in a lens or did you get a bad copy of a lens. So you can go check that if you're mm, interested. Right on. And then my Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter links are all there. Aaron, where can people find you? Come hang out with me over at the Milky Way Photographers Guild.com. Get away from the Facebook ads. You can be a part of the group there where we have live streams, live presentations, as well as a community where you can share your images and get advice from peers. And then you can read more and learn more about Milky Way photography at our website, MilkyWayPhotographers.com. And if you want to see some of my stupid work, because more to me, it is the adventure. I love the adventure. I don't care about the images that much. So I post-process my images for like a half an hour, and I'm like, I'm good. Boom, boom. You can check out my work at AaronKingPhotography.com. Excellent. All right. Thanks for joining me, Aaron. Be able to you bet. Thanks for having make me. Make these predictions. And uh, thanks, everyone, for listening. And we'll see you again in another seven days. 